Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the awesome Shanika Ranasinga. We are talking about what happens when you need to change direction in the middle of your PhD research. We also talk about media interest in your work and how to deal with that and the importance of pets. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Emma. Really nice to speak to you. Oh, it's so lovely to speak to you. So I have to confess straight away that we know each other. Um, yeah. And we have had the pleasure of serving on committees with you um, and being on this PhD journey with you. And um, it is so, like I was just saying before we got on, I just love being around your energy. I just think you are an awesome person. And I've been really impressed about how you have managed your PhD process, which we're going to hear a bit about in a minute. But you have managed it with such grace and Mm. tenacity. I think bringing those together, um, and I I think it is truly awesome, the the work that you are doing in terms of managing your project. So I'm so pleased that you're coming to talk to us about this. Yeah, no, I'm really excited too. So tell us a little bit then about your PhD journey. Um, Well, my PhD journey actually kind of grew out of my undergraduate studies. Um, So I I did my undergraduate at Oxford University. And um, at that time, there wasn't a lot of popular music going on there. And I decided I wanted to do um, a dissertation on ABBA fandom. Loving my that. undergraduate dissertation because um this was um so I decided this after um summer 2008 which is when the first Mamma Mia film came out yes. um and so ABBA was just everywhere Mamma Mia was everywhere and I was like oh gosh you know people really like this music even though it's been you know so long since ABBA were together and yes. so I um I thought there must be something interesting to say about it someone must have said something about this and I did a little review search um, on JSTOR and on my kind of library search for the Bodleian and um, library at Oxford. And uh, yeah, there just wasn't really anything there. So I did, um, so I decided I was going to do it. So I did my undergraduate dissertation on ABBA fandom, but, uh, you know, it was 10,000 words. So it was just scratching the very surface of it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh gosh, there's still so much to say. Um but then I kind of lost my confidence um, a bit with the topic. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe it's just me that thinks there's all this to say. So when it got to my master's, I did something else. But then when I was thinking about PhD study, I was like, oh, you know what? I really, I really do think there was a lot to say about ABBA and ABBA fandom and different intergenerational waves mm. um, of people who like ABBA, you know, people my age who knew ABBA Gold, but not ABBA as such. Um, then all the people that are knowing Mamma Mia and even more recently people who are coming to know um, Abba's songs through the singer Cher yes. uh, through her cover album so um, yeah it just kind of grew and grew and exploded out of that really out of my undergraduate uh, studies and wanting to just my conviction that there had to be something interesting to say 
and why hadn't anyone said it yet and so uh, I thought well it might as well be me if I uh, love it if no one else is gonna say it so and, and what a brilliant what a brilliant topic to choose it's one of those ones when you hear someone presenting at the conference and you go why didn't I choose that that's a brilliant <laughs> topic um so so this has been this so you started off on this journey and it's been it's been um quite an adventure for you in terms of, it has. of the way in which it's gone so can you say a little bit more about how you've navigated that yeah so um so well there's a few different things to say uh so firstly is that I'm a disabled student and so I've been kind of navigating my way through disability and uh studying um I started full-time uh but then went part-time because it was much better for me and it actually turned out to be much better for the project yes. because when I started my PhD in 2014 um, you know ABBA hadn't been around for decades and decades and uh, there wasn't really any inclination or any sign that ABBA might come back um, and then around halfway through my PhD fast forward to about three and a half years later um, ABBA announced that they were going to release two new songs and this came totally out of the blue. Um, it was just kind of announced on their social media and, you know, if you saw it, you kind of saw it and um, if you didn't, you didn't. And then it was all over BBC News and it was kind of all trending all over the world and everything. And I was like, oh, ABBA are back. And I've been writing about how they're not back and how, you know, and I was like, oh dear. And the, so because the whole kind of premise of my thesis had been how and why is Abbott's music still so popular in the 21st century, despite the band having never reformed. Mm. So as you can imagine, Abba coming back, obviously on a personal level, that's really great. You know, I, I was so happy about that, um, as well as very shocked, but, you know, very happy. Uh, but on a research level, it was kind of like, oh, now I have to go away and rethink my whole framing and rethink my whole argument and what is happening, you know, kind of thing. And um and fast forward three and a half years from that, in turn, so from 2018 to 2021, and um, in uh, early on the 2nd of September 2021, ABBA announced that actually it wasn't just two new songs that we'd been waiting for this whole three and a half year delay that had happened due to the pandemic and due to technology and things. Um, but also uh, they were going to release a whole new album. And by this point, I'd firmed up a very good chapter plan um about two new songs and you know kind of everything and then hadn't yes. really thought oh there might be an album so yes. uh it's been quite uh it's been quite a journey in terms of um having to keep reframing and refiguring my project so. yes and it's kind of the nightmare scenario isn't it that you kind of know what you're talking about you've got it all together and then something comes in and not and again not unusual when mm. because the, the phd is a longer project things change the, the you know the discourses change or for you like literally cultural <laughs> cultural yes. landscape changes yes so how how did you handle that how are uh, you handling well, that I, well there's two there's kind of two sides to how I handle it so as I said like um you know my kind of fan reaction is separate to my research reaction yes yes, yes. um because um I do consider myself an ABBA fan um uh in the sense that I really love Abba's music and everything like that. So there's the kind of personal emotional reaction and then there's the kind of research reaction. And so um, in terms of my research reaction, it was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? 
um, help kind of thing. So, you know, um, so there was a kind of initial panic. And then I kind of had to go back and look at my thesis plan. Um, and, you know, I'm, I've always been kind of revising my thesis plan as I've gone along and I, it's kind of taken different incarnations. But obviously this was quite a major change um, in how I'm talking about ABBA and ABBA fans. And um, it's actually what's called, um, so ABBA had moved from being what's called in fan studies a post-object fandom. So that's when the kind of fan, um, the thing that the fandom is about, so in this case ABBA, has kind of stopped. Um, and so you've got the post-object fandom and then it had become a live fandom again so it's mm-hmm. kind of what's called neo-fandom and it was just very um, it was very confusing very um, anxiety inducing um, yeah it was hard to kind of think what to do but um, what I ended up doing was kind of sitting down and looking up the thesis plan like as it stood and kind of thinking okay well I've got to redo chapter one completely now because my whole premise is that Abel aren't together um, and now they are. Um, and then I had to kind of go chapter by chapter and think how how much do I need to change this? And because at that in 2018, I still had quite a few chapters to write. So I was like, okay, how can I change these and mold them into something that's talking about ABBA here and now and so I've kind of been trying to juggle past ABBA with present ABBA mm. and um and everything that happened in between mm. um so yeah it's been quite a juggling act definitely. yes and I, I think I say for, for a lot of people it's that kind of nightmare scenario of new things come around and then it changes but I, I think it's it's what you're doing and I think it, it, it to, to to remind people that actually the PhD is about a process and it's about yeah. documenting a process. And so this yeah. process of you having to revisit and, and the process itself of kind of watching something trans, transition from that um, post-object, am I getting the terminology yeah, right? Post-object, post-object yeah, post-object, fandom To neo-fandom. That, that that's part of the that's part of the process that's what your examiners will want to hear about exactly um, yeah and so so it's it's kind of grist to the mill so I think if it, it obviously very easy for me to sit here and say this but mm. actually seeing you embrace that and going okay so this is going to expand my thesis this actually yeah. is material that will expand what I am working on yeah. rather than it being um a catastrophe um yeah because actually it's you're documenting your process um, yeah and and that is all that's being asked of you in the in the PhD um work exactly and And I've always been kind of led by um, my field work because I'm doing an ethnographic study so Mm. um I do kind of half social media half um offline research and so I've always tried to let what's happening within the fandom steer what I'm doing anyway so in in a sense it was when I sat down and really thought about it it wasn't that big a jump to be like okay well this is what's happening with fandom to this is what's happening with the music now which is now reshaping the fandom yes and um and yeah so expanding the fandom in that sense so yes love that but of course it also it also gave another gift if you want to see it as a gift because I do see it as a gift in <laughs> yeah. terms of in terms of you being then put in a meet in the media spotlight um, yes so tell us a bit about about that yeah so um so uh basically ABBA 
on the 26th of August, I think. It, yeah, 26th of August. So a week before they kind of announced their new album, they um, set up a website called ABBA Voyage and on their all their social media pages, whether it was ABBA the Museum, ABBA the Fan Club or the official ABBA page, it kind of said, oh, join this to find out what's happening next. And um, this got people really excited because people were like, oh, something's coming, but we don't quite know what. And then I'm not sure how this happened, but um, Swedish media um, somehow got hold of my, they found my Pure profile, uh, that Pure being the Royal Holloway uh, profile page for PhD students. And um, yeah, so I got, I started getting emails um, from Swedish TV, um, BBC Radio, um, yeah australian radio new zealand radio um yes it was all it was all quite um so within the span of about kind of you know 10 days or whatever i had loads of um media requests and i was also asked by the conversation uh which is a website some of you might know it's about um bringing academic work um to um, general mainstream audience i was asked to write a piece for them um, with a very quick turnaround because they wanted to really capture the moment. And uh, so, yeah, and then I was on ITV News when the album came out in November um, as well. So it's just been, uh, yeah, so it's been great exposure for my project, um, good confidence boost for me and great to just uh, see. And it kind of reminds you that, you know, what you're doing is relevant and important and that people are interested in it and it's not just you and your supervisor who think it's really worthwhile. So. Um, so yeah, it's been a good confidence boost, but it was quite scary as well. Yes. You never know what people are going to ask you. Yes, um, exactly. Or how so, people will react. And so. I, I do, I want to, I want to see if you have any advice for, for people in that, in terms of if they do get picked up by the media. Um, mm. I will put the, the link to the conversation. If people haven't come across it, I'll put the link to that in the show notes because it is a brilliant yeah. way to do a piece of writing that will can can um media media do check that and um, yeah it does get picked up often so if you wanted to put your research out there um that, that that's a good platform for that yeah um, so having having your things up to date having your material out there really useful but then Absolutely. do you have any tips for people in terms of what to do when the media come calling yeah so the first thing i'd say is um and i am i kind of really can't stress this enough don't feel that you have to be someone you're not Mm. Um, and don't feel that you have to say yes to absolutely everything because in my case um, quite a few requests were coming in around the same time um, you know within a few days of each other and you just want to pace yourself out a bit so obviously exposure for your project is good but make sure it's going to be you portraying yourself at your best and what I'd also say is don't be afraid um, this is especially true of written work whether it's um, I guess it applies to journal articles as well but um, some of the things the conversation uh, were kind of suggesting that I do or put links to and things like that I was like oh well actually I don't you know that's my field work and I've only been given permission to screen share the screenshot in a certain setting yes, yes. Uh, for example so I think just being true to your project being true to your values and not being afraid to say actually I can't do I can't do this but I can do that and kind of see it as a process of negotiation because, you know, clearly they're interested in you. So they'll want to keep you on board as best they can. Um, but, yeah, just uh, just approach it with a clear, calm mind 
and uh, try and stick to your values and your gut instincts are really important. So mm. if you feel or oh, something that they're asking me isn't quite right or it doesn't quite sit well with me, just uh, say, oh, well, I'm a bit curious about, you know, why you've asked me to do that. And actually, I don't feel quite comfortable with it. Or, you know, could we um, do this in a slightly different way, perhaps? So um, I think those would be my main tips to, and just to keep calm is I the main thing it. as well. I so. love it. That is that is just that's why you're awesome. I think this this oh. thing about integrity yeah. and authenticity, which just it characterizes how you live your life. Um mm. but yes, what I, th- I think there is there is a real desire, isn't there, to um to please often in terms of yes. doing what people are asking of you. But as you say, you're not always sure of the agenda. You're not going to be sure how it gets taken up. Yeah. So quite careful and making sure that it sits well with you. Yeah. Um, and as you say, gut instinct, that is it's your superpower. Yeah, it really is. And I think it's important because um, especially in in the case of you know, a topic like ABBA you know, the people I'm writing, my doing my research about can easily read those articles. Yes. And it was shared on various, um, in some fan groups and things like that. So, um, you know, what you're, what you're writing and what you're trying to put out there, um, it needs to reflect the values of the people that you're writing about as well as, you know, not to say that you have to agree with everything the fans do or say or that you can't differ from what their narrative is. Um if you've got a different academic perspective, but um, it's just easy to, it's important to kind of think, oh, well, you know, how will this sit with the community I'm studying if it's some kind of anthropological or sociological research you're doing like mine? So, Mm. Mm. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I I could ask you so many more questions because (laughs) you've got so much wisdom to share I think on on terms of what what has happened for you on your journey yeah that's why it was kind of like what should we talk about what should we talk about but this 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 is um this is what you're with right now which I think is really really good to talk about that now yeah Um, so I'm going to ask you the unfair question that I ask Mm. everybody um in terms of do you have a top tip or top tips for people to take away with them um I think so two, uh, so just to share two top tips, I think. Um, so one is kind of re- re- uh, relating to what we just said about kind of research integrity and things like that. So, you know, and gut instincts. Um, so I think, you know, whether you're writing a journal article, whether you're writing an article for media, or, you know, whether you're writing your thesis, it's always important to kind of be true to your values. And um, I think it's okay to disagree with people, whether that's the people you might be researching, um, whether it's your supervisor sometimes, you know, um, uh, obviously do that politely, but, you know, um, <laughs> I think it's okay to, uh, I think it's okay to, you know, own, to own your research basis is what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it's okay to own your research and be like, well, you know, I, I think this and therefore I'm going to write about it this way or whatever. Um, so I think, yeah, that would be one top tip. And the second top tip, and I think many people have said this before, um, when you've interviewed them, but uh, just build, about building a community around yourself who can mm. lift you up when times are hard or when you're feeling, you know, and this doesn't have to be people who have experience or knowledge of your topic. Um, it doesn't have to be people within academia. Um, it can just be someone like, you know, your best friend being like, you know, I think you can finish this one day and, you know, it's okay to, you know, extend or take time or be flapping right now or you know just people who will 
keep you calm and build you up and help you see the best in you. Mm. Uh, because I think sometimes we are our own worst critics and we can be really um, cruel to ourselves and cruel about ourselves. So I think it's just really important to surround yourself with good people um, and good pets if you have pets. Good pets, loving the (laughs) pets, loving the pets. And I don't think we can say it often enough, actually, in terms of that that community and support. Mm. And as you say, actually, we are, I think, always our harshest critics, actually, in -hmm. terms of we know just what buttons to press, just where those those sore points are. Yeah. Um, And we would never speak to other people the way we speak to ourselves. Um, And I, I think having, like you say, having other people who other people other beings um pets plants all the good stuff yes (laughs) to support us um and uh, surround us with that kind of positive uplifting energy yeah Um, you certainly do that for me I've just it's a true pleasure to um to spend this time with you thank Um, you thank you so much Shanika um and thank you all for listening 